So welcome everyone today to Psalms Through the Eyes of the Living Letters. And today we're going to be talking about Psalms chapter 61. And I apologize for last week. For those of you that may have tried to see uh, the recording from last week, uh, last week's class was canceled. And uh, so there was no recording from last week. And uh, I appreciate the times we tried to make sure that we do the classes every single week. Uh, but there are times when we may have to make some adjustments for other things that are coming up. And uh, if you want to know more about the class, especially the live class, uh, just so that you know, any anytime we have a live class like this, uh, it's in Zoom, free link. I'll just send it to you and, and you'll be glad to join us at any time. Uh, but what we do, we do something a little bit different in the sense where after we finish out with the recording, I'll stop the recording and that those that are here, we have a time of engagement with afterwards. Uh, I don't record those times of engagement because it's a it's really a great time to just open up and share what the Father is, is showing you and just be able to share with one another. And we have had some beautifully deep and awesome times in here. So those of you that, that would like to join us for those, those sessions, we would love to have you. Uh, just want to make sure that you knew that it was available uh, for you. Now, over the last couple of, of months, you guys probably have heard me talking about this a little bit. And I, I know many might not, uh, may not, may not be as, as open maybe as, as I am sometimes. And I know that that probably can be a good thing. And some, in some cases, maybe it could be not so good a thing, but in the same breath, I've, I've always wanted to be just plain and simply real. And, and even as a minister, even as someone who, who speaks in, in front of a group of people, I want to, real, to, to not try to ever show myself as trying to be a, somebody who's got it all put together. Because truth be told, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And there, are, there, there is a part of Yahweh that I yearn to, to get to know more and to get to know deeper, not only in my relationship with him and how the time that I spend with him, but also in the part of the relationship that the expression of himself is you. You see, I, I, I know that may sound a little bit, a little bit odd in, you know, the, from the way that we've always heard that before, but the truth is, is that each one of us are a facet of Yahweh. And each one of us are a, uh, an expression of his personality, an expression of who he is. And, and I've asked this question before. If, if, you know, if I only just spend time with just him and just him and I, is there something I'm missing if you are an expression of the Father himself as well? You get what I'm trying to say? In other words, you know, I, as I sit down and we engage with one another, I get to see an expression of Yahweh that is uniquely you. And as a result, I get to hear and see things that I may not have ever seen or heard before any other way. That's how important not only he is and not only is my, is my relationship with him is, but it's also as important my relationship with him in you. Do you, do you get that? I know that, that that there's you know the the he one of the Hebrew words for God is Elohim, and and it's it's really been a, a word that's been a little bit 
confused, you know, and it's been brought up a thousand different ways, but I just want to just, just put a little tickle in your ear when I say this, because if each one of us are a facet of him and each one of us are an expression of him, then what's to say that the name Elohim is an expression of him in each and every one of us? Now, no, I'm not trying to say that we're God, but maybe I am. <laughs> not in the sense that we are God above God, but we are a part of him because we are in him. And so in that place, then we are an expression of him. And how can I negate my relationship with him by negating my, by negating my relationship with you? and the expression of him that is you. I hope that makes sense. I really hadn't planned on talking about that this morning, but there was just something rising up in my spirit of letting you know, do you realize who you really are? Do you realize the, the place that the Father has, has given to you and the expression that the Father has given to you? You have a treasure that, that only you really have access to, and the rest of us need access into that treasure. And that comes when we come together and we begin to recognize and honor each and every one of us as a facet of the Father himself. You see, how does all this fit with Psalms chapter 61? Well, it has really, to me, a lot to do with it. It really does, because in the beginning of Psalms chapter 61, David's heart is crying out. You know, he, he begins to see where, you know, he's been designated as king. And he has to flee into exile from those who are trying to destroy him. Saul, in this case, because Saul was trying to come after him because he wanted to remain king. And, and yet, yet David had already been anointed as king. And, but the personal experience that David was having at this, at this time of exile really was also mirroring with, uh, with the things that were going on in Israel itself. So his personal life was also reflected in the, 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 the earth as a, as a whole, or the earth that he knew, I guess I should say. And he begins the, the beginning of Psalms chapter 50, 61 by saying this, for the conductor on the Neginas by David. All right, the Neginas is a, uh, basically a stringed instrument. So really any stringed instrument, that could be a, that could be a, a piano, because a piano is a stringed instrument, uh, a guitar, a uh, violin, that sort of thing. And so it's not necessarily just a specific, it's, it's probably a group of instruments or any type of uh, stringed instrument. But this is what David begins to say. Hear, O God, my cry. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the land, I call unto you when my heart grows faint. Now, this is this next verse here is one that we've heard. Those of you that have been in, in the, in church for, for many years have heard this scripture, uh, or at least this part of the scripture. Lead me to a rock that is too high for me. Now, the one that, the, the way that we've normally heard that in the King James is, lead me to a rock that is higher than I, period. And it ends there. But again, that's why I love the Tehillim so much, because it adds another aspect of it that we don't normally see when we're looking at it from the King James Version, because look at what it says, lead me to a rock that is too high for me to climb alone. Too high for me to climb alone. 
Now, do you begin to see why I opened up with, with talking about the multiplicity of one another? Because not only is it talking about the, the, the fact that the Father is right there with me, it's also talking about each and every one of us climbing up this mountain. And you see, as, as I began to meditate on this particular scripture, the, the, the mountain that came to my mind was, of course, Mount Zion. You know, let's, let's talk about Psalms chapter, uh, was it, it is 91, right? No, is it 91? I can't remember now off the top of my head that, that, uh, that, that decry, that cries out, uh, uh, oh Lord, help me here. <laughs> I had it in my heart, my mind just a second ago. Um, who can ascend Psalm chapter 24, Psalm chapter 24. I remember now who can ascend into the hill of the Lord. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And it goes on to, to continue on from there. And so the, 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 the mountain he's talking about is Mount Zion. It's the establishment and the place of, of the authority, a place where we have a foundation that we can operate from. So it's a steady rock. It's a place where it's, you know, where even in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60-ish, don't hold me, don't hold me to that. I think it's either... I think it's 61 or 61-ish, 63, somewhere around there. And it opens up with a statement that says this, uh, consider the rock from which you were hewn and the pit from which you were dug. So in other words, it's talking about consider where you started from. Consider the, the very base of your beginning or the very, the very settlement of your beginnings. In other words, and, I, and I, it's funny because I, I asked this question when, when I saw that scripture. If, if something happens and a pebble or a rock breaks loose from a mountain, one where, a mount, where, the, where the, the rock was attached to the mountain, but now it's become loose and, and kind of come apart from the mountain a little bit, does that rock cease being a part of that mountain? No. It's always and will always remain being a part of that mountain. Now, I don't want to get into the, the details of that because I know that that could take us from a couple of different places. Well, why were we removed from the, the mountain? And that's kind of as Isaiah was talking about. He was saying, consider where you began and consider the fact that you really still are a part of that mountain. It's, it's, it's the very nature of the Father himself is still in you. Is this making sense? I, I have. And even David says it here, from the end of the land I call into you when my heart grows faint. Because I want you to hear, oh God, my cry. Listen to my prayer. And so even David himself, when the, the place where he feels separated, See, I think that's the key there, because if even if a rock breaks loose, from my perspective, even if the rock breaks loose and I have separated myself, does that mean I'm no longer a part of that mountain? No, I'm very much still a part of that mountain. But then the question remains, have I really been pulled away from that mountain or have I in my own in my own pain, in my own fear, in my own looking away, have I looked at myself and seen myself coming apart from that mountain? Does this make any sense? 
y'all y'all know i know holy spirit i know is is revealing this in through you right now i just i i, I can sense it more than anything in the sense where there's so many times that we look and we see ourselves separated but the father doesn't see it that way does that make sense and david is kind of crying out from this place from the end of the land i call unto you when i when my heart grows faint lead me to a rock that is too high for me to climb alone i need you father I need your people with me because each one of them is an expression of who you are. And we are climbing this mountain together. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength in the face of the enemy. May I dwell in your tent forever. May I take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Selah. May I dwell in your tent forever. May I dwell in this place where I know that I'm always in you. You see, for me, the last four or five weeks, I'm just going to be very blunt and real. The last four or five weeks have been relatively quiet. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I wanted to try to articulate it the best way that I can. Things have been a little bit quiet when it comes to uh, the times that I'm spending with the Father. In other words, do I'm not? I, there's I can't say that I'm getting this big revelation or anything like that. And you know what? I'm okay with that to a certain extent, to a certain extent. What I mean by that is that there are times when, when I know the Father begins to reveal something to me. And then there's a time when I need to, to be able to uh, spend time with that word. All right? And, and as I spend time with that word, then I'm able to dig into it deeper. You guys have heard me say this before in that, in that my heart is that I don't want to just dig into the next greatest thing that the Lord is, is trying to show to me. So I'm always looking for that next big thing. But why don't I stop to take the time to be able to honor and respect the thing that he's given me at that moment? And, and, and matter of fact, sometimes the, the smaller it seems or my first impression is that, that it's not that big of a deal. The smaller it is and the more that, that my flesh tries to tell me that it's not as big a deal, many times the more important it is. Does that make sense? <laughs> because it's like, it's like sometimes the Father will hand us and show us something and and he wraps it inside of a shroud, if you will. Now, the shroud can be our placed by us or placed by him. I'll be honest with you. It can be, it can be either way. The question comes down to the questions that I usually ask in these classes and the questions that I ask in all of our classes. And that is, what do you see and how do you see it? Those are, two, those are two big questions that have affected me more than anything over the last five or six years when Yahweh first spoke those, those questions to me. What do you see? How do you see it? And then he added a third question a little bit later on. Why do you see it that way? Why is it that you're looking at that way? Now, that's a little bit deeper of a question, and it's one that I spend probably a little bit more time on. But I have to honor those first two questions before I can even think about getting to the why part of it. Because if I don't, if I don't understand what it is that I'm seeing, then I may count it as little or nothing, 
when it contains the biggest prize of all. You guys remember the story I told you about the, uh, the oyster shell, the smallest of all the oyster shells that gets tossed aside by the, by the oyster fisherman. And, and, but he, you know, he was told that day that there was a big pearl hidden inside, a pearl of great price that was hidden inside of one of the oysters that he was going to be pulling up that day. And he has a choice, even the smallest of all of the oyster shells, he could have thrown away, oh, saying, oh, no, that pearl couldn't be in that shell until you crack it open and find that the one shell that seemed to be the littlest and the most insignificant was the one shell that had the biggest pearl inside. Do you, do you get where I'm going here? So many times we count things as little or nothing, and there's huge prize on the inside. There's a huge revelation. There's a huge expression on the inside of all of that. And so I find myself from time to time getting to this place where, where things get a little bit quiet. Now, that can go on for a while. And I may have dug and, 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 and done my due diligence, you know, that, that even Timothy said that, uh, that, you know, talks about one who studies and that, that studying to show thyself approved. And there's a beautiful expression to, to doing just that and studying and digging and, and getting to the word, especially as we begin to, to look into this place of, of how the Father is trying to teach us something, okay? So as I began to dig into this, the Father took me to a very, a very uh, I wasn't expecting this because it was a word that I had always uh, I had always seen from a completely different perspective. And he took me to the word Gevura. Now, Gevura is the Hebrew word for might. So if you go through the seven spirits of the Lord, we've got wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, Eitzah and Gevura. All right. And then we've got knowledge and the fear of the Lord that goes along with that. And I thought I understood the aspect behind the Hebrew word for gavura or might, because might talks about this place really of battle, if you will, the valiancy and the, the, the place of fighting against something. So you also, when you see the word gavura, I also think about judgment and justice, because, because usually, you know, when you, when you see might in action, you see the place where you're standing up and saying, no, you know, I, I love that old, that show with uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings with Gandalf. And uh, he, he, he's going across that bridge. And uh, is it Balron, Balrog or Balron? I can't remember the, 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 this demon looking thing in the, in the movie. And he's trying to cross and he's trying to let his, his, his uh, companions that he's, he's traveling with. So he stops and he gets right in the middle of this bridge. And he takes his staff and he picks it up and he goes, he slams it down into, the, into this little tiny bridge. And he says, you shall not pass. You know, <laughs> I love that part of the show because, or that part of the movie, because he's like, uh-uh, you ain't getting any further than this right here. You see, to me, that's a beautiful expression of the, the spirit of might, of, of standing up and saying, no, you, I will not allow these things to, to come any further. Now, that could be anything from a situation that we're in. But to be honest with you, the majority of the time that I see that, and, and really, I, I really have to look at myself in this way, is that the majority of the time that that, that kind of a statement needs to, to happen, 
is usually when something's going in right here. <laughs> a thought comes to my mind that that suddenly the spirit, my spirit man just goes, oh, no. Now that could be anything. I could be a, a, a any, just anything. I don't want to delineate any particular thing, but my spirit man goes, uh, or, uh, or whatever you want to, however you want to express this, but your, 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 your heart goes, no, 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 you shall not pass. I will not take this lie that I'm hearing either through my ears or through my, through my mind, through my, my spiritual ears, because you don't, you don't belong here. I am worth something. I am worthy. The father has made me worthy. I have the blood of Yeshua that is covering me, and, and he has he is, he's given me his righteousness, and he's given me the opportunity to learn to be holy as he is holy. He's given me an opportunity to be able to make the choices that, that to, to conform and to, to step into the place of his holiness, to refine myself as fire, as the scripture says, as gold refined in the fire. But some of those choices are my own. They're my own because they, they really start right here in my own mind and, and try to lie to me and tell me that I'm, I'm worthless or, or, or whatever the case may be. Again, interject whatever Holy Spirit is revealing to you right now. I want you to interject that because then you'll know what I'm talking about when it comes to mind. But there's another side of the, the, the Hebrew word for gavura and might that you might not necessarily think would be might, but it is. As a matter of fact, it's a beautiful expression of the power of might, but it requires withholding, not doing something. So what do I mean by that? Each one of us have had, well, those of you that have had children, those of you that are listening on uh, YouTube or those of you that are here in class, uh, some of you may have had children, some of you may not have, but uh, all of us have seen kids one time at one time or another have interaction with family or, or that sort of thing. But I remember when my daughter was little and, you know, especially when she's, she's right at that age, like about my Lauren started walking when she was like nine or 10 months. Uh, she started fairly early. And I remember early on that that many times when when my daughter would try to start to walk, my, my wife would be over there and be right there near her to try to let her hold on to her hands to be able to to walk. And that was fine because you know there's the, as a parent, one of the first things that we want to do is to protect our children. We don't want them to, to fall down and get hurt or anything like that. You know, but thank goodness for for pampers and diapers and that sort of thing and all the other little extra paddings that we put, you know, on top of the fact that their their backsides are usually pretty, pretty cushy anyway, just from <laughs> just from from growing and, and being, you know, and so and thank you, Lord, for making our, our backsides a little bit, you know, like that, because in that sense, when you're starting to learn to walk, we spent a lot of time just going boom, 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 and falling right back on that backside, right? And, but there are times where, and probably one of the most difficult times is sitting there watching a child learning how to walk. And instead of reaching out your hand to steady, holding it back and letting them fall on the tushy, letting them fall onto the backside. Why? Because they learn. 
Now, I'm not talking about allowing the child to get hurt. Of course, there's a protection. Of course, there's a place. But the truth is, is that the spirit of might can also hold back just a little bit. Why? Because I want you to realize you can do this. You don't always have to have my help. You can stand up. You can walk. And you can begin to learn to and, and to have your muscles get strengthened to the place where now you are doing this on your own. Matter of fact, you've moved from the place of just walking to now running. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of like when our kids begin to learn how to ride a bike. There comes a point that we have to take off the training wheels and we have to push them along to get them started maybe. But uh, we have to pull our hands away and let them take off on the bike. Even if that means there's a tussle down to the or drop down to the ground and we have skint knees, you know, or skint elbows, or maybe even skint hands. And of course, as a parent, we don't want to see that. But yet in the same breath, how does the child really learn unless we give them a protected place? Now, I agree. Uh, you know, see, I, I don't want to... <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm, uh, maybe I'm just trying to be politically correct. I don't know with, with saying this. Of course, we want to give them a, a safe place to be able to do this. Maybe a backyard, you know, or fenced in backyard where they can't get out and where they can't get in the road where others, or a, maybe a, a cul-de-sac or an area where there's safety for the kid to be able to, to ride around freely and not have to worry about any oncoming traffic or anything like that. But once we do, then, then there's a place of, of, of pulling back and letting them learn. How many times has the father done just that? And not that he's pulled back. His eyes are right there. He's, he's, it's, it's almost like he's sitting there ready with maybe a little first aid kit. So that if we, we bump our knees or we, we skin our elbows or something like that, he'll come up, he'll bring us up into his lap. He'll, he'll wipe off the, the, the skinned up knees, put a little bandage on it, put a little salve on it. And, and then love us and say, you know what? you're doing good. You're making it through. You're, you are growing up to the place where, where when, when you have children and when you are growing, you're, you're teaching your children that you're teaching them, hey, they can stand on their own. They can operate from the place of their own. You see, so Gavura, if you will, opens up a whole nother side to this, this thing. And I think that, that, that in a way, this is what David was dealing with when he talks about, lead me to the rock that is too high for me to climb alone. I know I need you, but I want to be able to, to do this. I want to be able to climb this rock. Matter of fact, as, as I was meditating, I also saw this picture. And, you know, I saw myself as Tom Cruise hanging on that ledge you know, in Mission Impossible, whichever it was, three or four, you know, he had one hand on the ledge and the rest of his body kind of dangling. <laughs> I'm sorry, a big joke. That was supposed to be a joke there. But you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever seen that, some of the Mission Impossibles where he's he's holding on to the, the, the ledge of the rock. And that's because he's got to go from one place to another place that's really a little bit out of his reach. It's not quite in a place where he could just reach out over and grab and then pull himself easily from one to the other. It takes a leap of faith. It takes a choice of saying, you know what? I know this is too high for me. So, Father, 
this is what I saw. I saw me grabbing hold and looking up and my next hold was too far away for me to reach. I want you to take me to the place where I can stand in that place and look and think, you know what, Father, how much do I really trust you? You see, faith would have allowed me to climb that mountain in the first place. Faith would have given me the, the place to climb that mountain. But how much do I really trust you? Because the expression of faith is trust. When we say that faith without works is dead, the truth is, is that faith without works is dead because we haven't trusted. You see, to me, that's, that's actually the sin from the beginning. That's actually the sin that, that caused it all from the very beginning. Do you trust that what the Lord said is true when he was talking to, when the serpent was talking to Eve? He made her question, and he made her question uh, her trust in his word from the very beginning. And the same thing is true even now. And so, you know, I want to get to this place where, Father, that next reach, I have to either cry out, either, Father, I'm going to, to make a leap here. I'm going to make the choice to make this leap. And even though I may not know whether my next hand will be able to grab a hold of that ledge or, or I may fall to the earth, I'm going to, to, to go ahead and make this jump because I know you've told me to climb this mountain. You've told me to come to this place of overcoming. You've called me to this place of overcoming in, in, in the things that have been trying to, to block me. And, and let it be that the mountain itself is not only just an expression of the, of, of the, the very foundation of the Father. The, the very thing that we're holding on to is the foundation of the Father himself. Sometimes through our own flesh, we look at that same mountain and we see it as, a, as an insurmountable mountain of problem or whatever it is that we're having difficulty to climb. Who says it's not the same thing? Remember the oyster shell I was talking about just a little bit ago. Maybe the pearl that was hidden inside of this is given by the, the expression of what we see on the outside, at least from the natural perspective. You see, I'm, I'm, I hope you're following me here because I'm, I'm, I'm speaking both naturally and spiritually at the same time. You know, I, I'm, I'm talking about the place where my natural eyes see difficulty, but my spirit man says, I know, I know that the next step, the next reach that I take is going to be the one is going to be where I'm going to grab on to that next place on the mountain and I'm going to move from there. Well, what do you mean by that? Think about the Red Sea. You see, when it came to the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, you guys have heard me tell the story, but I'm going to tell it again real quickly for those that are just joining with us. Remember when the when the Israelites came to the Red Sea, the the Israelites walked over on dry ground. But the, the priests had to step into the water first. They, they were required to step into the water first. And they got to the point where they were so deep in the water that it was right up at their nose holes, right here. All right. Their mouth was already covered. And all they had was just the tips of their noses sticking out of that water. And the next step would have either been that they would have drowned in the water, gone under that next step, and then drowned in the water, 
or learn to breathe underwater, or the water would have parted. But they had to trust the father that said, you know what? It doesn't even matter about this next step. I trust you, Lord, that even though this next step may mean from my natural perspective that I'm about ready to drown, I trust you. I'll make the next step. And the moment they made the next step, boom, the waters were parted. And, the, and the, the priests went on through the Red Sea, and the Israelites followed behind them on, on dry ground. You see what I'm talking about? It's the same expression. It's Gevura from a whole other perspective. It's the power of might and the spirit of the power of might from a whole other direction. And I hear the Father say, do you trust me? Do you trust that in the midst of all the things that you've got going on, that I'm going to be there with you? Because listen to what David says after this. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength in the face of the enemy. May I dwell in your tent forever. May I take refuge in the shelter of your wings. I can't help but talk about or think about Psalm chapter 91 with that one, you know, uh, where, it, where it says that Yeshav Basatheir Eliyom Batsal Shaddai It's uh, he who sits, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And, and I, I love that because the, the Batsal is the Hebrew word for shadow there. And it speaks of that place of, of if you will, being under the wings of the founder, under the shadow of the wings themselves. And, and I love Batsal because it's, it's Beit Zadi Lamed. And it, it speaks about Beit, which is the place of the house, the place of communion, the place of, of, of where there's family. To me, I can't, when I can't talk about Beit and not talk about family and the coming together. It's the one place where I know that I can be myself and be safe. I can walk in the door. I can, I can just, just be myself, lounge pants, lounge shirt, whatever it is that I want to wear. And I can just be myself, right? And, and, but not only that, but there's structure inside there. There's a relationship inside of that family. That's the bait, the zadi, the, uh, the, the Hebrew word for righteousness is zadik. And, and it's, it is based on the word zadi or the living letter zadi. Uh, and zadi itself, the living letter means righteousness. So it's just talking about the place of, of, of being one who loves the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. It's the one who stands knowing that the blood of Yeshua has completely covered and that any and every sin has been completely covered by his blood. I am in that place where I am walking together in the Lord, in, in him. But the last letter is the one that, that really, to me, just is the cream of the crop of the, of the three. Because the Lamed, to me, not only speaks about the heart of the Father. I, I, love, I love the living letter Lamed because it, it's, its literal meaning means uh, learning or teaching. And specifically, to me, you can't teach something unless you first learn it yourself. And so it really begins with this, this learning aspect. But the Hebrew word for, for heart is lev and lamed bait. 
And so to me, anytime I see the living letter of Lamed, I also think about the heart of the father. And, and if you will, it's kind of like, I wish I could draw this picture because I see the heart of the father and then the wings, his wings covering his heart and then me being inside of his heart. Does that make sense? I, I just, just close your eyes if, you, if, you, if, if you're having trouble uh, kind of visualizing that and think about being in the heart of the father and covered by the shadow of his heart, but also by the shadow of his wings. And it's like, it's, a, it's, it's more than just being under his wings. It's being under his wings in him. Does that make sense? And, and so it's like a double layer of protection. I don't know. It's just the, the, the way that I'm, uh, that I'm seeing this, this, this double being inside of him, being protected. And uh, I, I just, it's, it's, it's great. So when, when David starts crying out for this, that I may dwell in your tent forever. That's what I'm seeing. That tent of the Lord is being inside of his heart. And that I may take refuge in the shelter of your wings. So, so to me, that scripture right there kind of gives me the two layers, the tent being the heart itself and his wings then covering over on top of that. For you, God, oh God, for you, uh, yo Yahweh, have heard my vows. You have granted me the inheritance of those who fear your name. Now, I know when I first read this, I was like, huh? I didn't, it, it, I mean, just being tr truthful, I, I was like, this, I, that didn't make sense at first until I reread it a different way. You have granted me the inheritance of those who fear your name. In other words, those who fear your name have an inheritance. And because I fear your name, you have also granted me that same inheritance. Now, the moment that I think about that, there are two things that immediately come to mind. And that is wisdom and knowledge are both a, a part of the inheritance of the, the, those who fear the Lord. There's scriptures, several scriptures that talk about that. Of course, we know that the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? But there's also another scripture that talks about where it's not only just wisdom, but it's also knowledge that's also a part of the, of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And those two work together. I don't, I don't have time to go over it right now, but we did a teaching in one of our, one of our, our uh, uh, School of the Living Letter classes where we talked about the difference between wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and how the three of them work together really as one, all right? Now, wisdom is just one side of it. I can't, funny enough, wisdom speaks that I can't forget understanding or knowledge. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And sometimes we pay a little bit too much attention to wisdom and negate understanding and knowledge when the truth is, is that wisdom speaks and says, hold on, you've got to remember them because that's how everything works together. There is, and, and anyway, I, I don't want to go too deep into it right now, but you've granted me the inheritance of your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding. And remember what happened to Solomon, you know, with the wisdom that he was given, because the, the scripture even says that wisdom itself is worth far more than rubies, far more than precious jewels. May you add days 
on the days of the king. May his years be like all generations. May he sit forever before you, before Yahweh. Appoint kindness and truth that they may preserve him. Thus shall I praise your name forever to, to fulfill my vows day after day. You see, David, David begins to, to realize that, that Father, I can't, I can't do this without you. You've taken me to a place where I'm, I'm at a rock that is far too high for me to be able to climb on my own. I can't do this without you. That, that, and in and every situation that I'm in, in every place where even if I've made the choice to do such, that you have taught me, you have brought me to the place where you are teaching me, Lord. You are showing me your depth. And matter of fact, in some cases, you may be leading me to the place of your might, Father, where you have withdrawn your hand, not because you're not because you're 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 you don't love me anymore. Not because, not because of that, but because I want you to realize you can do this. You're teaching me. Come on. We've heard the scripture before that when a child is young, he is under tutors and governors until a time appointed of the father, until a time appointed of the father, until a time appointed of the father. Why? Because he's given that child, that given that son, that daughter, the authority to then move forward from that place. But, but, but how, you know, see, this is where the fear of the Lord comes in. Cause then I'm like, Oh, well, well Lord, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything right. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I mean, you, well, if you really know someone really super well, and you have the kind of relationship where there's the openness between the two of you so that you get to the place where you already know what their thoughts are. You already know the way that they respond to things because you, you, you become so much a part of their lives and they become so much a part of your lives that, that it's, it's like you walk together as one and the two shall become one flesh. You walk together in that place of being one. And at that point where I have trusted the father so fully in everything that he has told me to do that I begin to see and recognize his heart so that I can trust even when there's something that pops up that I'm like, well, I don't know how I can handle this. Father, I do know that I can trust you. And so in the confidence of knowing who you are in me and who I am in you, I will go, I will move forward because I know that I can trust your word to me, even if it sounds a little bit crazy, even if you're wanting me to leap to that ledge that's a little bit further than I can actually reach. I'm going to reach for that ledge, and I know that you're going to carry me. Even if you have to teach me to fly, you're going to carry me to that place where I can grab a hold of that ledge and, and move on. It's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I've told you guys this story before again, but I, again, let me bring it up. I like bringing up stories that we've talked about before because I want to show you how each one of them fit in different, in different circumstances. And Psalm 61 is a perfect example of this. But I, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine, and we were talking about this uh, crossing over this, this really insurmountable uh, issue that was going on. And, and what the father took me to and stood me on the edge of a, of a precipice. And this precipice had a chasm that was below it that was so deep you couldn't even see the bottom. Matter of fact, about halfway down, there, there seemed like there was a there was this mist that, that obscured the bottom. So it could have been that the bottom was 
just millimeters below that, that mist, or it could have gone on forever and I'd never known the difference. And across this, across, there was two sides to this, this, this chasm. I was on one, we were on one side and Yahweh himself was on the other side of the chasm. And between the two points was this old rickety bridge. The, the slats on the wood part where you would put you, where you would actually walk, walk across were, were no bigger than about this and about that wide, just enough for one person to be able to walk single file across the bridge. Now, Fortunately, on both sides of that, there were ropes that came up from where those two, from where those, those, wood, those wood slats were attached. And there were two uh, ropes that allowed you to steady yourself. Now, if you guys have ever been on a bridge like that, you realize that, that many times those, those ropes can, can move a good little bit. And, and so it's not, it's not like having a firm foundation. It, matter of fact, when you go across it, it's a little bit, seems a little bit unstable. Yeah, it seems a little bit unstable. And I said, you know, the truth is, is that right now, the father is over there on the other side of that chasm, and he's calling us to move across. He wants us to come across. Now, we have faith by just looking at the bridge. We have faith that the bridge should be able to hold us, right? Matter of fact, I, I really can't enact my faith until I make that first step. But the truth is, is that I can have faith on this side of the precipice that that, that, that that bridge could hold me. But how could I ever exercise that faith unless I make the first step? The moment I make the first step and I realize that the bridge can hold me, then I begin to trust. I begin to say, okay, all right, but this isn't too bad. Now, I know I'm only just starting out the journey in this. So every day when we pick up our feet and we go onto the next wooden slat, every day when we, we make the next step, there's this place where we begin to see, okay, wait a minute, I can make it another step further. Father, I trusted you the last steps. So I know that I can, I can trust you as I continue to move on in this place. And the more that we take a step, the more that we trust, what does it do? It begins to build confidence. It begins to get to the place where we're like, okay, wait a minute, I can, I can do this. But now the, the thing about this bridge is, is the chasm is so wide and the wind is blowing to the point where the further you get out, the more that the, the bridge seems to move back and forth, all right? And, and if you stop to think about that, especially, especially if you're in a mountainous area, sometimes the winds can get pretty, pretty bolstery. And so you get out in the middle of this, this bridge and suddenly you're holding on for dear life and this wind begins, begins to blow and you begin to move back and forth. Well, I may not be able to make a step that day. It may be all I can do just to hold on right where I'm at right now and say, you know what? I trust, Father, that even though this wind is blowing right now, that you have got me taken care of. But if not, I love that because didn't the Hebrew... The Hebrew boys, Shadrach, well, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. I'd rather use their Hebrew name than their than their Babylonian name. Uh, but if you want to know their Babylonian name, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, the when those three who said, you know, that we will not bow to your idol, but if not, we know that our God can can save us from out of your hands. But if not, but if not, we're still not going to bow to your idol. <laughs> In other words, we, we trust you, Lord, that it doesn't matter. 
uh, we're gonna we're we're not gonna we're not gonna going to to move past where you're telling you know uh, King Nebuchadnezzar we're not gonna do what you've you've asked us to do here. And what happened? They were thrown into the fiery furnace where where the 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 guards that threw them in were burnt up because of the heat of the fire. And what did they see? They saw. And I've asked this question before, and I'll leave Holy Spirit to, to answer the question for you. Was the fourth man in the fire? Or did the fourth man begin, begin uh, that, was, that was with Shadrach, with Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael? Or did the fourth man became revealed in the fire? Did he meet them in the fire or had he already been with them? And now all that were around him could see him because because of the fire you, you following me you i'm gonna let holy ghost answer that question for you i'm not gonna try to answer that but it brings up a it brings up a, a some questions saying wait a minute father i trust uh, yeah was was or was he the fire even better still was he the fire itself were they the fire you know uh, Holy Ghost, you answer those questions to, to each and every one of us. So the, the fact is, is that when you're out in the middle of this bridge, the wind blowing like crazy, what happens if you get blown off the bridge? It's okay. It's okay. Because if, if even if you get to the point where it lifts you off of that bridge, then the Father's going to teach you how to fly and land you right back on that bridge to allow you to finish that. Now, the beautiful part of the story is, that once you've reached the other side, how much more confidence do you have to walk back across the bridge? I'll bet you, you'll double time it back. You'll be, you'll be back in half the time. Why? Because you have confidence. You know you've already been through the difficulty. Matter of fact, you might even get brave enough to just run across back across the bridge because the father's calling you back across the bridge to the other side again. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, the, the, this is all meant to be an analogy and just a picture, a mental picture of, of, uh, of, of the, the things that we go through sometimes. And that's what David's talking about here. So that I may take refuge in the shelter of your wings. I can be protected. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have granted me the inheritance of those who fear your name. Father, I do fear your name. I do fear your name because in that place of the fear of the Lord, I know that my next choice and the next step that I take is going to be in you. Why? Because I fear your name. I fear you. Not in a sense of being afraid, although that may be a part of it. There is a, there is a part of that. It's deeper than that. I, 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 I wish that I could, I could express only Holy Ghost. And Holy Ghost, I ask that you would impart to each one of us this place of the spirit of the fear of the Lord, this place of, 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 of knowing that, that is there a fear? Yes, but it's not a fear of, of, oh, I, I don't know how to articulate the Holy Spirit. I really don't. Holy Ghost, you impart to each one of us the place of, of this place of the spirit of the fear of the Lord, because this is a place that we all walk in. This is the place where we were in, in, in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that we're, we trust you. This is where our trust, our, our faith that have become works, our faith that has, has got something to it because we've done something with it. And what we've done with it is we've trusted you. Allow us to see how the spirit of the fear of the Lord brings us exactly what you're talking about with David here as well. 
You have granted me the inheritance of those who fear your name. May you add days into the days of the king. May his years be like all generations. May he sit forever before you. May I sit forever before you. Appoint kindness and truth. Your kindness and your truth inside of me. That you may preserve me. Thus shall I praise your name forever. And I'll fulfill, fulfill my vows day after day. <sighs> yes, overwhelming awe, overwhelming reverential awe. Father, I thank you. I thank you that in this place today that you're teaching us even more about the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You're teaching us even more about the place of trust and our confidence in you. You are building it. We know that we are sons. Father, you have, you have revealed your sons in the earth. And in that place where your sons are revealed in the earth, we're, built, we're, we're growing. You, in a sense, just like what I was talking about before, and sometimes have, have not withdrawn your hand as far as, as, far as to, to take it away from us because we've done something wrong. But no, you're watching with loving eyes over us as we may take a few steps and fall on our backsides a little bit and then get back up and realize, I know I can do this. Along with your encouragement, along with you being there with us that says, come on, get back up. You can do this. You can walk. Because once you, you know, when, when you've learned to walk, I'm going to teach you how to run. When you've learned to run, I'm going to teach you how to fly. And when you've learned how to fly, I'm going to teach you how to be. And funny thing about it is it doesn't have to go in that order. Because remember, the Lord says, I'm beyond time. I can teach all of you, all of this to you at the same time. If you're willing to, to realize that. If you're willing to, to step out and be willing to make the steps. Don't worry about falling. I got plenty of pampers on you. Your, your, your backside, your tushy will be all right. Trust me. Just get up and start walking again and keep going. Don't forget where you come from. Don't you forget that you're my son. You're my daughter. You're my child. You're the one that I am looking to give my scepter to. So that you, you may rule and reign together with me. But the first place you need to learn to rule and reign is right here. You'll never learn how to rule and reign outside until you first learn to rule and reign right here inside of your heart. Because that's where I'm at. I'm right here inside of the shadow of the wings. I'm right here inside of the tent of your heart. I'm right here with you everywhere you go. And guess what? I got your back. I got your front. I got your sides. I got you above and I've got you beneath. I got you covered. <laughs> Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the place that, that sometimes you're willing to hold back and let us fall in the tushy a little bit. 
so that we can get up and keep moving. Don't let us stay there. Don't let us stay there. Father, don't let us get, get, get fall on their tushies and then start going boo and crying and not want to get back up again. Father, thank you that you've put inside of us that place of, of, of knowing that we want to, to, we want to do what we're meant to do. And so, Father, in this, in what David was crying out, even here out of Psalm 61, Father, we want to, to we, we, we take this place and we realize, Father, you've got us covered. We're not going to sit down and boohoo. We might cry for a minute or two, but we're going to get back up and we're going to try again. And we're going to keep going. And we're not going to let things stop us because, Father, you have us surrounded. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your word today. I thank you for Psalms chapter 61. In the name of Yeshua, pour Rabbi. In the name of Yeshua.